All right, can we give it up for these little guys one more time? You did so good. I especially like the little dental floss. That's awesome. So. Right, we're going to tell the Christmas story. You guys want to come sit next to me? Ah, come on. Come on, come on. We need somebody short right here. Who wants to be? Okay, that's good. That's good. That's good. How's everybody doing? Good to see you. Oh, hey. Huh, that works. Hi. All right. Who knows the Christmas story? What happened on Christmas? What? What? Tell me. Baby Jesus. Jesus was born. That's right. All right. I'm going to read it to you out of the Bible, okay? It was the night before Christmas. Oh, wait. Wrong book. All right. During those days, the Roman emperor, Caesar Augustus, he ordered that the first census be taken throughout the empire. In other words, everyone had to travel to his or her hometown to complete a mandatory census. You had to go and check in and tell them where you're from. So Joseph and his fiancée, Mary, who knows what a fiancée is? What, what is it? Your wife, yes. What else? Yes. Your home, Yes, and it rhymes with Beyonce. That's right. All right, smart kids. So Joseph and his fiance, rhymes with Beyonce, <clears throat> left Nazareth, a village in Galilee, and journeyed to the hometown in Judea, Bethlehem, King David's ancient home. They were required to register there since they were both direct descendants of King David. Mary was pregnant and nearly ready to give birth. When they arrived in Bethlehem, Mary went into labor. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. And what was his name? Jesus. Good job. After wrapping the newborn baby in strips of cloth, they laid him in a feeding trough since there was no available space in the local hotel. That night, in a field near Bethlehem, there were shepherds watching over their flock. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared in radiant splendor before them, lighting up the whole field with blazing glory. And the shepherds were terrified. Would you be afraid if you saw an angel? No. no? You wouldn't? All right. Got some brave kids up here. You wouldn't? Why not? They're not bad. They're good. All right. Okay. They weren't afraid of them? These guys are getting taught really well in kids' church, aren't they? Yeah. All right. So... But the angel reassured them, saying, Do not be afraid, for I have come to bring you good news, the most joyous news that the world has ever heard. And it's for everyone everywhere. Everybody say everyone. For today in Bethlehem, a rescuer was born for you. He is the Lord Yahweh, the Messiah. You will recognize him by this miraculous sign. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Then, all at once, vast number of glorious angels appeared, and there were the very armies of heaven, and they all praised God, singing, Glory to God in the realm of heaven, for there is peace and good hope to the sons of men. When the choir of angels disappeared back to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Dude! Let's go. Hurry and find the word that is born in Bethlehem and see for ourselves what the Lord has revealed. So they ran into the village and found their way to Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in a manger. Upon seeing this miraculous sign that had happened, they 
the shepherds recounted what had happened, and everyone heard the shepherd's story, were astonished as they were told. But Mary, Jesus' mom, treasured all these things in her heart and pondered what they meant. The shepherds returned to their flock ecstatic over what had happened, and they praised God and glorified him for all that they had heard and seen for themselves, just as the angel told them. And then eight days later, Mary and Joseph took Jesus, baby Jesus, they took him to church, and they took him to a baby dedication service. True story. That's right. It's here next. Pretty neat, huh? All right. So, did you like that story? Yes. Yes? Yes. Now you can always remember the real story of Christmas is about Jesus. Right? Cool. You guys did good. And what? I'm not going to remember this day. You're not going to remember this day? I'm not going to remember this day. You might. You never know. It might happen. I'm going to remember this day <laughs> because of you. All right, give our kids a big hand, everybody. <laughs> Good job. High five. Boom. Good job. High five. Had a girl. I do have the new iPhone 11. Do you? Uh, no. Maybe you'll get it for Christmas. Bye, Jordan. Bye. See you later. Have a good day. Bye. Look at that beautiful hair. See you later. Bye. Bye. Give him a hand one more time. Aren't they cute? Thank you. Awesome. Well, how many of you have done a little or are going to do a little holiday traveling? Anybody? No? It's kind of hard to talk when you have these guys upstaging me here. It's all right. That's, that's what they're here for, for their cuteness. How many of you remember when you had to load the minivan or the SUV with all the porta cribs and the diapers and the high chair and the, how many of you are still doing that? Anybody? Yeah. So some of you are now it's grandkids. Some for some of you, some of you still, you know, there's a verse that says we wrestle not against flesh and blood. I think that's true because, uh, when it comes to the holiday travels, we wrestle against children's safety equipment because you're trying to get it all in there and make it fit. Uh, I've traveled with teenagers too. I have two sons. My youngest is still a teenager. And it's all about the Wi-Fi now. You got to have the Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi passwords and, or this Wi-Fi stinks here. Or now they're connoisseurs of Wi-Fi everywhere we go. And that's how they judge their experience is how, the, how was the Wi-Fi. So we have great Wi-Fi here, by the way, in case you were wondering. But, uh, but nonetheless, um, today I want to talk a little bit about holiday travels. And even though traveling can be challenging, whether you have to stand in a security line in an airport, that happens, or I've heard of people getting snowed in, you know, trying to get home, I'll be home for Christmas until that winter storm moved in and we got stuck in the airport, whatever the case may be. And not only do you have to pack up the kids and all those sorts of things, or the teenagers, then there's relatives. You got to go hang out with people you're related to. And there's always like that one crazy relative, right? Right? Uh, well, if you don't know the one I'm talking about, it's because it's probably you. But anyway, that's another sermon for another Sunday. But nonetheless, um, traveling can be tough and it can be difficult. But no matter how difficult holiday travels can be, it's nothing compared to the trip that Jesus made on the very first holiday season, the very first Christmas, God came from heaven 
to earth. He left his heavenly palace of opulence and streets of transparent gold, and he made the treacherous journey to earth, not just to be with us, but to be one of us. I think it's cool in the four Gospels, there's, there's a creature mentioned in Revelation that has four faces, and theologians tell us that the four faces of that creature represent the four traits of Jesus represented in the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And of course, Mark represents that Jesus is a servant, so there is no genealogy. Nobody wants to know the lineage of a servant. But then John tells us that he's God. And so it just, here's the genealogy in the book of John. It says, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. He's God and here he is. That's, that's his lineage. But then you have Matthew and Luke that start and go all the way back to, in Luke it says, Joseph, who was the father of Jesus, the perceived father of Jesus rather, he was the son of, the son of, and it goes all the way back to the son of Noah, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. And I like that it, that it goes all the way back to Adam because that shows that not only, he's not just one of us, but that he's all of us. He's all of us. How many know we're all related? Did you know that? I, not because we're in Alabama, but because if you go back far enough, you either get to the boat or the garden. Did you know that? <laughs> And we all are one blood, especially now because of Jesus. We are one blood. He made us one. And I'm so glad he didn't stop at being the son of Adam because we're all related to Adam. How many of Adam's family was crazy, right? Da -da -da. Da -da -da. Yeah, Adam's family, yeah. Just not the family you want to be a part of. And that's why God sent his son Jesus. But it says the son of Adam, the son of God. So Jesus, and that passage, it shows us what theologically we call the hypostatic union, which means he's 100% man and 100% God. So that mathematically doesn't add up. How many know God's math will blow your mind? So that's who Jesus is. That's the trip that he took to come, not just to be with us, but to be, to be us. Um, we have a little dog, and we can't remember exactly when we got him, 2005 or 2006. He's an old guy now. And, uh, but when he was like, he was, a, he was a Christmas puppy. He was like six weeks old, and you know, we wrapped up a shoebox and put holes in it, of course, so he could breathe. We were going to try to wrap him up, but we didn't like close it, but we just put the lid on it, but he kept popping out of them. You know, you put the lid on it, he'd pop out. <laughs> Put the lid on again, he popped out. He's, he's ready to play. Every time we put the lid, so by the time the kids came down the stairs, he popped out, and the kids were like, oh, cute puppy. And he was the cutest puppy I've ever seen in my life. Just a little white, fluffy, fluff ball. We have, and we've fallen in love with this dog. We think he's about 15 years old. His name is Baxter. And when he was six, seven weeks old, uh, in my house, everybody has, for these cold, bitter, harsh winters we have in Mobile, we have. We have a baby, it's cold outside about twice a year. <laughs> but we have these little fluffy slippers, and uh, my, of course, mine are masculine and leather. I just wanted you to know that. But we all have these fluffy slippers, and this little six, seven week old puppy, he would just back up, back up, and he would sit on somebody's fluffy slipper. And he's still like a little puppy pillow, and he still does that now that he's an old man. 
however old he is, 15, 16 years old. Let's multiply that times seven. He's an old guy. And, but he still sits on our slippers. He just thinks that's what they're for. And if you have on fluffy socks, he'll sit on your socks. I mean, he, he just loves soft surfaces. He thinks he's royalty. He thinks he's one of us. And we have little nicknames for him. We call him Baxi. When my oldest son, Gavin, was, I don't know, 10 years old, he took a Sharpie and he wrote on the dog's crate. It says, Baxter, a good dog. And he is. He's a good dog. And as much as, but as much as we love the dog, never once have I looked outside and seen him running around, you know, chasing squirrels and marking his territory. Never once have I thought, you know what? I wish I could be a dog so I could get to know Baxter better. I've never once thought that. As much as I love Baxter, I've never wanted to become a dog so that I could, you know, relate and, can, and really understand. But that's what Jesus did. He became one of us. Because that's what you do when you love somebody. You want to understand them. Adrian, this is my first wife, Adrian. Wave everybody. She's the Alpha and the Omega, in case you were wondering. Um, but we've been married for 26 plus years. Is that right? It's 26, right? Okay. We've been happily married for uh, at least 24, 25 of those years, which is not bad. It's pretty good. Uh, but when we were younger, we're still young, but when we were younger, um, we got married when we were like 13. That's <laughs> But we would argue about almost everything because we both wanted to be right and we wanted the other person to see our side of the story, right? We wanted to be understood. But now that we're not old, but now that we're more mature, thank you, wiser, we still argue a little bit and we still want to be understood. Usually me more than her. She's better at this than I am, if I'm being honest. But we argue less to be understood, but now we try to understand the other person's perspective. We try to put ourselves in their fluffy slippers so that we can see where they're coming from. But why do we do that? Well, number one, we're exhausted from fighting all those years. We don't want to fight anymore. But number two, the real reason is because we love each other. And I really want to understand where she's coming from. And sometimes, no matter how hard I try, but anyway, that's another sermon. Come back in February, we'll teach on marriage. But but we want to understand the other person's perspective. That's what Jesus did for us. I want to read to you maybe a little unusual Christmas uh, scripture. It's found in Philippians chapter 2, and this is what it says, verse 5. It says, have, have this mind in you, which was also in Jesus, who existing in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be counted equal with God, but he emptied himself of his Deity, taking the form of a servant and being made in the likeness of men, being found in fashion as a man. He humbled himself, becoming obedient even to death, even the death of the cross. So think about it. God became human. And he did it not just to be among us, but to be us. He wanted to see it from our perspective so bad. He wanted to relate to us. That's what love does. It tries to seek first to understand, then to be understood. He lived in a, God was born in the earth. He lived in an obscure town. Now check this out. I had this thought this morning. The architect of the universe 
made furniture in a dusty Palestinian town. I'd love to have, wouldn't you love to have one of his chairs or something? But there he was. He became. He endured the hardships of the holiday travels. Why? For the same reason that we do it. We do it because of family. We do it because we love people. We do it because we hope to either make memories or at least to reminisce about memories that we've already made. We hope maybe to get in the kitchen before everybody else and sneak a cup of coffee with mom and talk about how that we used to, uh, we used to eat pumpkin pie for breakfast. That's what, that's what my mom and I did. She was a single mom and I was like, is it okay to eat pumpkin pie for breakfast? She says, I'm a grown adult. I can have whatever I want to have for breakfast and you eat it too. <laughs> okay. This is great. I loved it. Coffee and pumpkin pie. Pumpkin pie. It's all the basic food groups right there. Or maybe, you know, you, you, you get a chance to spend time with your dad or a grandparent or a sibling. Maybe you learn how to play a new card game. Maybe you get out the photo album. What do you do? You're connecting. You're creating. You're spending time. And that's what Jesus came to do. To make us family. To make us family. There was once a man, he was so scarred physically by failing to rescue his parents from a burning fire that had caught their house ablaze. And not only was he physically scarred, but emotionally he had lost his parents. He felt like he had failed to rescue them. It was all his fault. And he had secluded himself in his bedroom because he didn't want anybody to see him after he had recovered and scarred and different things. And his wife tried everything to, to get him to come out, and he just wouldn't. So she called a world-renowned plastic surgeon. She paid him a lot of money, and he came, and he consulted, and he evaluated the husband, and he finally came to her, and he says, Ma'am, I'm sorry. Even I, I cannot fix him. There's no way that I can heal what's happened to him. And she says, Oh, no, you misunderstood why I called you here. I want you to make me look like him. And that's what Jesus did for us. God so loved the world. He so loved you. He gave his only son. And whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And I hope that today you'll receive this extravagant Christmas gift that He's offering to each and every one of us, whether you're watching us online or in the family venue or in this auditorium. But even though there's a gift available for you, I want to remind us that it's Jesus' birthday, right? He is the birthday boy. And you usually give gifts to the person whose birthday it is, but what do you give the guy who's got everything, right? Well, there is some things Jesus doesn't have, and it's people who don't yet know him. But I want to encourage you to give the same three gifts to Jesus this Christmas and in 2020 that the three wise men gave and brought to him. And those gifts are gold. And some of you are thinking right now, I knew it, the preacher, he's building up to the offering. No, listen to me. I want you to hear what gold really represents. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gold is a gift that you give a king. And a king, Jesus is. 
Gold represents our devotion. In 2020, will you give him your devotion? Will you take time, a little bit of time, every morning, every day, whatever's best for you, to read your Bible and pray? One of our goals as a church in 2020 is just to read through the New Testament and the book of Proverbs. It's about a chapter a day. A chapter a day keeps the devil away, right? Just take that five minutes, read that chapter, and pray. Would you give him your gold, your devotion? Number two, would you give him your myrrh? Myrrh is a gift for a prophet. It's sweet to the smell, but bitter to the taste. How many know sometimes prophets have to deliver messages that aren't always easy to receive, right? Well, how do you give him that? Let the Holy Spirit be the prophet of your life. In 2020, will you live a spirit-filled, spirit-led life? Will you stop every day and say, what do you want me to do today? I like to say it this way, and I don't mean this to be harsh or anything. This is just how God speaks to me. But will you in 2020 do what you're told? Will you do what the Lord tells you to do? Don't argue. Just submit to the will of God and do what you're told. Let him be the prophet of your life. Give him myrrh. And then finally, frankincense. What is frankincense? That's a gift for a priest. Jesus is the priest of, and of, our, of our confession. Incense represents worship and praise. In 2020, will you be thankful and concentrate not on what you don't have, that leads to depression, but concentrate on what you do have, that leads to joy and abundance. But if you will give him your praise instead of your complaining... I'm telling you, it'll revolutionize your life. And I'm going to put a little pastoral plug in here. Give him your frankincense. Give him your praise and your worship. Would you come to church in 2020? Because that will really make him happy. And by the way, I'm going to be honest, it'll make me happy too because I really like you. I like you a lot. In fact, I'm as a pastor, there's probably nobody that thinks about you more than I do other than your mama. Because that's the heart God has given us for you. We love you. God called us to this city to be your pastor. We pray for you. We think about you. And when you're not here, we miss you. In fact, I have a little list in my phone that I keep going of, of uh, a missing sheep. There's people I haven't seen in a while. And I just pray for them. And I have small group leaders reach out to you. And if you're not in a small group, it makes it difficult to reach out to you. So join a small group. It helps, helps us keep track of, of the sheeple. You're my, you're my sheeple, and we love you. And in fact, I'll give you an invitation. In 2020, give us a year of your life. Don't come 1.3 times a month to church. That's the average. Do you like the old days? Come every time the doors are open. Be old school. We won't wear you out, but you just come and be faithful and see what God will do for you and through you. You'll be amazed. Will you give him your gold? Will you give him your frankincense? Will you give him your myrrh? Will you give him your devotion? Will you give him your obedience? And will you give him thanks, worship? You give him those three things, and I promise you'll be amazed at what he gives back to you. So the greatest thing that you can give him is yourself, is your heart, is your life. In fact... The only thing that he wants for Christmas, I think he and Mariah Carey wrote this song, Jesus and Mariah Carey, all I want for Christmas 
So with that in mind, will you bow your heads? Unless you're watching us online and you're driving, then you watch and pray. Don't bow your head. But if you're here with us today, will you just bow your head, close your eyes. If you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, if you've never given him your life, your heart, or maybe you have, but you're not living your life as if he's the Lord. You're living it as if you're the Lord. Today, you need to come back to him. And you're going to commit that no matter what, you're going to give your life to him. You might not be perfect, but you want to be perfectly his. If you're here today, and I, and I promise we're not going to embarrass you, we're not going to make you stand up or, or walk to the front or shine a light on your chair or anything like that. But if you're here today and you say, Pastor Kevin, I need to make Jesus the Lord of my life, please include me in the prayer you are about to pray. We call it the prayer of salvation. There's nothing magical about it, but when you pray it and you mean it from your heart, God hears you and he comes into your life. And wherever he comes in, he brings his peace. He brings his protection and he brings his prosperity. And if you are wanting to welcome him into your life and you want me to include you in this prayer, just real quickly, no one looking around, just slip your hand out and say, that's me, Pastor. Include me in that prayer. God bless you. I see your hand. One. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. God bless you. Nine. God bless you. Ten. Anybody else? You either raise your hand or you should have raised your hand. Or if you're watching us online today, would you join us all in this prayer? Harvest Church, let's pray along with these ten folks that raised their hand because we don't want them to feel alone or isolated because they're not anymore. They're joining the family of God. Not joining a church, not getting religion. But they are joining God's family. Eleven souls, raise their hand. Let's all pray with them today. Say this with me. Say, God in heaven, I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins. I repent. And I declare Jesus is my Lord. From this day forward, I'm all yours. Fill me with your spirit. Give me your power to live this new life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The Bible says in heaven when one sinner comes to Jesus, they throw a party. So there's a party going on in heaven right now. Can we just celebrate a little bit with these 11 people? Merry Christmas. Happy birthday, Jesus. That's what it's all about, man. Happy birthday, Jesus.